I get a press release about an FBI agent in the counterterrorism services, very high ranking guy with top secret security clearance, access to CIA files. And this guy gets arrested for, I don't know, moonlighting for the Armenian mafia. Now to an eyewitness news investigation and the strange alliance between a suspected mobster here in LA and how it all ties into a mysterious group called The Order, a polygamous clan in Utah. One polygamist testified the men had more cash than they could ever spend before their billion dollar scheme unraveled. Welcome to Heroes Behind Headlines. I'm your host, Ralph Pizzullo. Our guest today is best-selling author, award-winning journalist, and Emmy-nominated investigative reporter, Michelle McPhee. Michelle is an open-minded and independent investigative reporter who is unrelenting in her pursuit of the truth. Her investigative work has led to gunpoint threats delivered by angry Boston mobsters, a frightening encounter on KKK-protected dirt roads in Arkansas, threats from gangbangers, and IRS audits. She chased Gianni Versace's killer around South Beach, Miami, snuck into John Gotti's wake in Queens, New York, and posed as a mob mall with an undercover NYPD detective targeting fight-fixing in Las Vegas. Today, she's going to talk about her article in the November issue of Los Angeles Magazine, the mobster and the Mormon, the L.A. Armenian mafia boss, the polygamous cult, and the billion-dollar green energy steal. It's my great honor to welcome award-winning journalist Michelle McPhee as today's hero behind the headlines. I kind of fell into this by accident, you know. Okay. I was an intern at the Boston Globe when mm -hmm. I was in college. And in the middle of my internship, there was a big mob massacre at a 99 restaurant. To this day, we call I it the 94. The, the Luisis. I know the Luisis very well. I know Bobby really well. You know Bobby? You're, the He's... Reverend Alfonso yes. Esposito. <laughs> I do indeed. Bobby's family put a gun to my head oh, wow. when that story came out. And last Bobby, Christmas, he tapped me on the... Yeah, oh, I yeah. know Bobby very well. Yeah. He made amends. Oh, yeah. good. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. So I know the Luisis very, very, very well. It was my very first story. And it's... You know what? In a way, Bobby Luisi and his messed up clan and his messy family launched my career. Oh, good. Because so, I was an intern. I yeah. was in college. So and, he, you know, he, he, he did something good, right? I love I it. Love so it. while so yeah. the Luisi story yeah. launched my career, I got a call from a magazine editor who said, why don't you write a magazine story for us? And I'm like, well, still in college. I've never written a magazine story. And this editor, who was great, he brought me into his office and we stayed until two in the morning. And that story came out and was a huge hit. It got me threatened by Bobby's cousins at gunpoint on <laughs> Hanover Street. <laughs> and then I got a call from the New York Daily News right as Pete Hamill, the greatest yeah, editor of Pete. all I've time. Met him. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. So yeah. Pete Hamill was looking for young, scrappy reporters. Yeah. I quit college and moved to New York. Fantastic. And in a year or two, I was the police bureau chief of the New York Daily News. Fantastic. So I think, you know, I, I was very lucky to have come into the journalism profession at a time where you actually could learn from mm -hmm. great mentors mm -hmm. like Pete Hamill and mm -hmm. I had great mentors in Boston and you know I I got very lucky yeah and then as a woman working at a police one police plaza NYPD headquarters you know it was different challenges and and I think that I, I feel very blessed that, that mm -hmm. that's how I came up with good people. You know, I actually followed in the footsteps of some of my great heroes like Pete Hamill and to this day, yeah. still breaking stories, not because it pays. It's just because it's an <laughs> adrenaline. Yeah, right? We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know we write right, books. Right, it's right, not right. like we're getting rich off of this. No, absolutely not. It's for the yeah. drive and it's yeah. for the it's yeah. for the cops who are doing the good work. You feel right. like you have to herald these well, stories, you, which yeah. is why I love Heroes Behind Deadlines. Yeah, it's oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it's you feel as though it's a cause. Right? It's a cause. I mean, you're honoring, you know, the people who really do the work and who really risk their lives. And they're you not know. the ones getting up on the dais no, when the no, no, press conference comes. Exactly, they're not the talking heads. They're the guys who actually stick their noses in the dangerous places and uh, 
Most of them have families. They have salaries. They got their own challenges, and they're doing it because they they love people. They love their neighborhood. They love the country, and uh, that's what we need. So how how did you come across this particular story? Because this is a wild one, Michelle. This well, is- I think you know, as somebody who has covered cops my entire career, I feel like when we see a bad cop, rightfully so, it is an immediate reaction. Jail, career ripped apart, pension gone. But over and over and over again, as somebody from Boston, and I know that there, and let me just start by saying, there are magnificent FBI agents in the Boston field office. I'm writing a book about some of them right now in connection with the biggest takedown of the gang MS-13 in the nation's history. There are terrific ones. But Boston has an ugly and storied history of making deals with the devil and getting away with it. So there's a lot of mistrust between local law enforcement and the Boston FBI field office to this day. Mm-hmm. It existed in the Boston Marathon investigation. Uh, it's happened over and over and over again. And how this story came to me is, I, I think a lot of times, look, how many FBI agents do you know that actually went to prison? I can think of two, John Connolly from Boston right. and James Smith from LA, who was having an affair with a Chinese spy for years and feeding her secrets. <laughs> right. There's two. I mean, we, we both are familiar with dozens and dozens yep. of cops, and I'm oh, not yeah. saying they don't deserve it, but I feel like if we want accountability in law enforcement, which is the rally cry right now, but those same demands are not ever leveled at counterterrorism officials. And I was on the ground at Ground Zero. I lost friends that terrible morning, 21 years ago. Yeah, horrible. Horrible. You know, 343 firefighters, 23 NYPD cops, 37 Port Authority officers, an yeah, FBI my, agent. My, I had a cousin who, who was one of the last ones who ran into the building at the end. Yeah, Dominique Pizzullo. Oh, wow. That's yeah. funny. I have actually written about it. Yeah. 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 No, incredibly, incredibly brave people. And this is where I hold the media accountable. You know, the mm. Office of Inspector General for the counterterrorism bureaus put out a report last year that raised some very insanely important questions, critical yep. questions that prevent a Boston Marathon. And one of the things that just is astonishing to me is we now know that two of the hijackers were living with an FBI informant. Wait a minute. Yeah. So you didn't get a heads up that they were about to plow two planes into the World Trade Center towers? Right. And where, where are those questions being raised by Congress should be dragging the FBI officials responsible for that investigation in front of Congress for all of us to see. And we see the same sort of pass given the FBI at the January 6th debacle. They got a pass then. Yeah, they yeah. got a pass in the Pulse nightclub when right. we know that they had information about this horrific shooter. We know they got a pass with San Bernardino. They got a pass with the Boston Marathon. They get a pass over and over and over again. Which brings me to... I get a press release, very small, about an FBI agent in the counterterrorism services. He was a human official, so you know, as well as I do, that's a very high-ranking guy. That's right. But top secret security clearance, access to CIA files. And this guy gets arrested for, I don't know, moonlighting for the Armenian Mafia. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. How is this not a national story? I know, I know. Right, are you kidding me? Front page news, yeah. You know, he has a guy who's collecting $10,000 in cash. He's running this bribe money through an illegal lice removal salon he owns with his wife called Love Bugs. So it seems like someone should have been taking a closer look at this guy in his Rolex watch and his Gucci belt and his vacation house in Lake Tahoe and his brand new Ducati motorcycle strutting around looking like he's John Gotti. And yet this guy for years is on the Armenian Mafia's payroll, putting our homeland security at risk. And he goes on trial tomorrow, September 13th. And I will be there to look this guy in the eye because these stories are important. And I'm sure if you spoke to his colleagues in the FBI, they would probably all know that this guy was up to, up to no good because they know what everybody else makes. And here's a guy walking around with a fancy watch and so on and so forth. They did. It's really interesting because uh, there's a guy who is in my book about Operation Mean Streets. And his family just happened to be at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And, and where, you know, he was a Boston guy. He just moved back. He was so excited to be back in Massachusetts. And then his family is traumatized. Wow. Again, terrorism right in your yeah. face. He comes back to California because his wife insists on it, gets assigned to the San Francisco field office, and suddenly he's getting a phone call from a Glendale cop who's like, hey, uh, I just pulled over this Armenian lawyer, Edgar Sargizian, and he says he's working undercover for one of your guys. And John Kelly is like, 
what? And it's because these cheap billionaires in Beverly Hills, this guy had an office on Rodeo Drive. He drove a Bentley or a Rolls Royce Phantom to his Rodeo Drive offices from his Calabasas mansion, but he didn't want to pay for parking. So the FBI agent gave him a parking placard so he could park in the red zones all over Beverly Hills. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, oh it's God. just, and that's how the whole, yeah. ironically, a traffic yeah. stop is how this entire massive web of corruption got taken down. The unraveling of this international web of corruption began in February 2016 when lawyer Edgar Sargazian was riding as a passenger in a Cadillac Escalade with no plates when he was pulled over by a Glendale, California cop. When the uniformed officer approached, the lawyer shoved an FBI placard out the window, muttering that the SUV had no plates because it was, quote, sometimes used for law enforcement purposes. He handed over the FBI placard as proof. When the cop flipped over the placard, he found the card of FBI Special Agent Bob Brumand taped to the back. Suspicious that a national security agent for the FBI would be so careless, the cop called the San Francisco field office of the FBI. Soon after, Brumand was called in to explain to his FBI supervisors. Brumand claimed that he was using his relationship with Sargazian to develop potential sources for the FBI. No one believed him. In December 2018, the FBI raided Brumand's house. Weeks after that, his name became associated with a separate case involving a polygamous Mormon cult in Utah and Sargazian's boss, the reputed leader of the LA Armenian Mafia. Brumand was retired with full pension. Do you remember Carrie Matheson in Homeland? Yeah, when she sure. had that she had that room. That's what my life became for the last few months of like wow. this charts and maps and string and how they're all connected. And you're probably going, this can't I, I How I'm, is this possible? Yeah, yeah. You have these backwater polygamous cultists. So the, the Southern Poverty Law Center calls the Kingston clan, better known as the Order, as the most racist mafia in the country. These people have existed. They created they created a, a Criminal organization is what prosecutors call them by settling in, you know, the in the area of Utah near the Idaho border. And they have so many businesses, it's hard to keep track of them. But the most money that they make, according to prosecutors, is with a little scheme that they like to call bleeding the beast. And that is stealing from the government, from the U.S. Treasury, from us, from yeah. me and you and everybody yeah, else yeah. paying taxes. Yeah. Bleeding the beast means stealing from us any way possible. Wow. And the order has been doing it for decades. Welfare scams. You know, if anyone watches, and I didn't until now, but if you watch the show Escaping Polygamy, those girls are from the order. Jacob is their brother, their wow. half-brother. Wow. So those girls who are in Escaping Polygamy are related to Jacob Kingston, who is the mastermind of this, ready, $1 billion scam. So it starts with the arrest of the FBI agent. Six months later, I'm embroiled in this massive investigation into a billion dollar fraud that the order was able to pull off against us very easily. I mean, no, that's what's so astonishing. I it was know, so easy. I know. It's it, They had to fill out a one-page form. To, a one-page form. And yeah. they had... Well, okay, let's let's take Jacob Kingston, who okay. is in the center of all this. Jacob and, and is, by the way, the order is sort of like an outcast of the Mormon Church as well. Right, right? they're uh, they're Mormon fundamentalists, so Poly polygamists. They're not like Warren Jeffs running around in prairie skirts, yeah. but they, I mean, they're more crafty in some ways because they exist amongst right. everyone else. Right, but the, the the Mormon Church looks down upon them. Yes, they do. They okay. do because these are polygamists. So, right. so the Mormon Church, I can't remember what year, but they said you know they outlawed polygamy. These are people who are like, screw you, we're going to yeah. continue to engage in polygamy. But for this particular family and why they've been deemed so racist, the order believes they are direct descendants from Jesus Christ himself. So in and order they have to, numbers, right? They have numbers. And in order to keep this bloodline pure, they marry each other. Wow. So you have, you know, wow. intermarriage, intermarriage times, times 10 times yeah. 10. So yeah. Jacob Kingston at the time of the beginning of this fraud, because it really started with him, right? It starts with him. Okay. So Jacob Kingston is 36 years old. He has a lot of miles to feed. He's got three wives. He's got 12 kids and 14 grandkids at age 36. <laughs> now, the order has a prophet 
which yeah. was Jacob's uncle, Paul. And Jacob's daddy, Daniel, were the two elders in the order. Mm-hmm. So what do the elders do? Every dime you make, you have to give to the church. To the church, and I use air quotes. The elders. The, the church prof- or the or the order? The order. Okay. But they have two separate arms, right? So that, so it's this is another way to bleed the booze, because they have a nonprofit. Ah. So whatever they put into the church, yeah. they don't have to pay taxes on. Yeah. <laughs> but then the prophet decides... Hey, McPhee, you know, we're going to give you this dumpy trailer right here. Or in Jacob's case, they gave Jacob what he described in his own words as an old, old cabin with no heat, rats and snakes. Can you imagine living in a house with rats and snakes? I guess (laughs) you would be motivated to start (laughs) to try to, you know, right, right. I got to better myself to elevate yourself. But here's the astonishing thing. Jacob is a very smart guy. He has a doctorate degree. Yeah, I saw that. In engineering. So he's now in all the court records. Suddenly he's Dr. Jacob Kingston. (laughs) Dr. Jacob Kingston is very upset by this. Right, 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 right. By his from the rat, circumstances. The with, go to his house, you find rats and snakes. Well, yeah. so yeah. Jacob is trying to elevate himself. And he has this doctorate degree in engineering. And he, and these kids are raised, lead the beast, lead the beast. So they just grow up with this criminal mentality. They grow up with this criminal like mentality. We're not, we're not really, we've been thrown out of the Mormon church. The government is our enemy. Correct. And we're going to do everything we can to, as you say, bleed the beast. And they they really truly believe that they've been discriminated against and mm-hmm. they're the victims. And this is their, their comeuppance right. for years of being persecuted. So they think they're justified in this activity. But if you could find a way to actually make money and bleed the beast at the same time, bingo, you are in business. <laughs> you go up the, you the, go up the, the ladder. <laughs> yes. So Jacob Kingston um, decides now his daddy, Daniel, and his uncle, David, were two of the order members who went to prison. His father went to prison for beating his half-sister nearly to death when wow. she refused to marry her Uncle David. Her Uncle David went to jail for having sex with his underage niece. So these are people who you know, are already known to law enforcement. They own a ranch. And on this ranch, Jacob decides that he is going to start a biofuel company. This is right around the time that we started passing massive sweeping legislation Mm -hmm. that would incentivize green energy production any way possible. And nobody cared how it was done or if it was actually green energy or if it was actually biofuel. (laughs) Right, it was actually helping. So Jacob has a way to make this money, but he needs a partner. He needs a way to move all this bogus goulash, this miasma of nothing around the world, quite literally around the world. What what is he doing? Is he delivering anything of value at all? In the, in the very beginning of the scheme, he was delivering some actual biofuel. Okay. He was moving and selling some actual biofuel. Wh- which was like it's cooking like oil? It's like taking was... brown grease and cleaning it. Okay. With, I'm not a scientist. Yeah. But there's a process, and he had a processor on this so ranch. So it started with like a shade of legitimacy. A shade, in the very beginning. Okay. Then he hears about a guy that everyone in LA knows as the lion. The government describes Levon Tarmenzian, a.k.a. the Lion, as one of the most dangerous and well-connected men in the world. A gas station tycoon who sits atop a petroleum empire in Los Angeles, where he is also the reputed boss of bosses for the Armenian Mafia, a notoriously brutal Southern California-based transnational criminal organization, one with a power base that includes a partnership with the Mexican underworld controlled by La M. Standing at five foot seven and 220 pounds, the lion has been described as an Armenian Tony Montana with a lifestyle so glamorous it borders on the grotesque. Country hopping on private jets, Lambo racing, Bugatti driving to and from gated estates, Huntington Beach waterfront mansions, vacationing on a private yacht moored across the Buffalo Strait and downing $1,500 a sip scotch in the grassy courtyards of Beverly Hills hotels. Dr. Jacob Kingston, on the other hand, is a Mormon engineer who had three wives, 20 kids, and 14 grandchildren by the time he was 36. He's a member of the racist, polygamist Kingston clan cult based in Davis County, Utah, better known as the Order. Members of the order subscribe to a worldview that encourages its disciples 
to fleece Uncle Sam with a myriad of schemes, including welfare fraud, tax evasion, labor law skirting, anything and everything to rip off the government, pay back for what they view as persecution of its church for practicing plural marriage. The Lion and Dr. Jacob Kingston were unlikely business partners, to say the least. Jacob shows up in Commerce LA and goes into the offices of the Lion, Mm -hmm. walking past the Lion sculptures, walking past the Lambos that are doing donuts and Mm -hmm. and the armed bodyguards. But he walks in for this meeting and there's Lamborghini furniture all inside and, you know, the Lion has laid out his bread and he offers Jacob a drink. And of course, Jacob being a Mormon refuses. They sit down, they have a business discussion. A deal is made. And months later, you have to picture the scene, which is my, I just can't get this out of my head. You have a polygamous family picnic. Seas of genetically similar faces. Everyone looks alike because they're all related. Hundreds and hundreds of children. Everybody's there. This talent shows this parade floats. It is the polygamous 4th of July. It's called Pioneer Day. And this is in Southern Utah. And this is in Southern Utah. And, you know, these are people who are sheltered. Yeah, it's kind of backwatery. Yeah, they don't, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't, they don't go to school. The outside world. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. Like these are kids that attend an order school. Right. They, they, they buy everything from order businesses. These, Crazy. you know, they don't get out a lot. So in the middle of this, you know, polygamous family picnic, all of a sudden you hear the roar of a Lambo, and coming into view is a chrome Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> Can you imagine the scene? And it now remember the order believes that Jesus Christ is going to land in a spaceship and save them all someday yeah. in the rapture. So this is getting close. So this is close. This is Jesus. <laughs> like what's happening? Maybe he took a car instead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it looks like a spaceship. Right. Especially right. when it comes yeah. into view in the scrubby grass sure. and the side doors yeah. swing open, and then you have the lion steps out with a blue alligator shoe. Wow. But what was really shocking to them was not the stranger because they don't take to outsiders. They literally call outsiders. And here's this dark-skinned guy. Now, remember how racist they are. So you have this dark-skinned Armenian guy. He's got a beard that looks like a lion on purpose. And then in the passenger seat is the last guy anyone at the order expected to climb out, and that is Jacob Kingston. Not even a numbered man. This guy is so low, he lives in the old cabin. He's right, driving right, right. a banged up Toyota Tercel to visit all his families. You know, so this is this is a nobody until today. Suddenly, the prophet and his daddy are like running over to shake hands. What, what's going on This here? is my business partner. And earlier that day, the lion had taken Jacob and his first wife, Sally, to a house mm-hmm. to, to go house hunting because they had a plan. Instead of living in this cabin, they were going to buy a house, put it in the lion's name, and then Jacob and Sally could live there secretly for the order. So the order wouldn't be able to get their mitts on this house. Ah, nice. Because they take everything. Right. So the lion's like, I'll put it in my name and you can right. be my house sitters. And somebody who testified at the trial remembered that the lion said to the real estate agents, are there any, you know, prohibitions from having like animals? Well, would, yeah, of course you can have pets. No, no. I mean like a live lion. <laughs> So he's a guy who actually brings live lions oh my God. to his abodes. And so this is to- totally out of the mafia it's, playbook. It's so crazy. And it's terrible to even say this, but in writing the story over the months and months and months, you have a begrudging respect for the lion because he is a generous guy. So he sees that nobody has respect for Jacob at this picnic. So just to, you know, fuck with his family, he throws Jacob the keys to the Lambo. It's yours in front of everybody wow. to raise his standing. Wow. Wow. So you do have like a begrudging respect for right. this gangster with a heart, right? Yeah. Now, and he's also kind of an old school European dude. I'm pretty sure that he was looking around at the 12 year old. Well, let me take that back. He's looking around at the very young. I don't know how old the very young, you know, wives of these very old dudes and yeah. like, oh, yeah, how could really? you not? No, this is, and these, these people are basically enslaved. Yeah. Especially the women, the yeah. women have it the worst. So, you know, this, this biofuel scheme is so successful that it goes international. Okay, so let's stop. How does the scheme run exactly? So the IRS has a one page form and they have, there's two different pockets of money that, and when you hear about this green energy legislation, Everyone should be aware that there needs to be auditing of these programs because billions upon billions upon billions of dollars are easily pilfered because we create all these new incentives and pour, you know, tens of billions of dollars into it. 
but there's zero law enforcement. There's a very small pocket of IRS agents and EPA, Environmental Protection Agency agents, that are responsible for making sure that all of this goes well. So that's not going to work out too good, I think. No, right? no, and you've got all these criminal elements who are just waiting for these programs to show up. And this, and so guys and like Jacob, for, right? Knows how they, to work it. He knows. Now remember. The order has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children. So they had all the kids fill out these one page forms. <laughs> and the first year they got 10 million, then it was 20 million. But here's the most wow. egregious part of the story. This guy was getting money after they raided him. So, you know, he gets raided. There's an investigation into this scheme and the treasury is still cutting him checks. Because there's no, one arm isn't talking to the other arm. So in the end, he put in for a billion dollars in these credits. Incredible. It's an incredible feat. And he was getting a dollar a gallon. A dollar a gallon. One dollar a gallon. So So all he had to do is fill out this form and say, we gave you, we've created 10 billion, you know, 10, 10 million gallons of this biofuel. And they gave them credit. Was there any that they had? Did they have to prove that this that this biofuel existed? No. No, but, but it is complex because there's a myriad of ways in which you have to move it around to make it look like it's actually being cleaned right. and sold, cleaned and sold. And so sold. that's where yeah. the lion came in. But yeah. the lion had something even more important. He had connections. So next thing you know, Jacob Kingston, who used to wear Wranglers, is taking meetings with the president of Turkey. Wow. I don't yeah. think he ever left Utah before he flew to L.A. to meet yeah. with the lion. And so now this guy, the, they're traveling the world. They're going on vacation in Greece. They bought a, a villa in Istanbul. Wow. The president of Turkey is sending armed military members to escort Jacob to the presidential palace for wow. meetings. Wow. So the lion took this international. And Jacob Kingston pretty soon started to believe that he, too, was a gangster. And his brother, you know, his brother took the stand and talked about how all of a sudden he's a different dude. He's storming around his offices saying, I am the cash cow. I'm the golden goose. (laughs) And the order wasn't, now you have to go back to the order now. They're their own sort of gangsters. And they know that Jacob is screwing them out of money. Yeah. They know Jacob gave them 30 million. That's all there is. They weren't happy with the 30 million. Yeah. They were coming for more and more which meant that they had to have more and more elaborate ways in which to hide this money from the order, hide this money from the IRS, hide this money from the EPA, make sure that they're not, you know, out there exposed. And I think if it wasn't for, you know, rats, this case would have gone on forever. And we'd still be paying them. And what is he spending the money on? Cars, the the, the usual stuff? There was the mansion in Huntington Beach Mm -hmm. on the waterfront. Chrome Lambos, green Lambos, gold Lambos. They were Lambos galore, all on us. Yeah, I mean, these, these stories are entertaining in a weird way, but we're the ones. We're paying for, for all this. of this. Yes. We're paying for Listen, the Lion had a 50th birthday party, which was insane, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. a, a winery in Napa made hundreds of bottles with his picture on it. He had live lions. <laughs> you had, like, the owner of Lamborghini come on. As a guest, he was gifted these vehicles that cost literally millions, like $2 million cars that were gifts to the lion at his 50th birthday. But enter the CIA. And this is where it gets interesting. And this is your world more than mine. But you start to see how these players, because they were making so much money, I think the CIA started to take notice. Sure. And it starts with a guy named Daniel Poles. And if you look at Daniel Poles' resume, I think anyone in your world is going to say, okay. He was a consultant to the Mormons. Right. He he's worked for this government, yeah. that government, this government, that. He's a consultant. Come on. The, he's like, it reads spy, spy, yeah, spy yeah, all yeah, over yeah, the place. Yeah. So when Jacob gets locked up, who do they call? Daniel Poles, the CIA guy. Because Daniel Poles had a friend. And that friend was the connection to the president of Turkey. His name is Baron Korkmaz. And Baron, many people believe, including the Lions lawyer, is a C- long-time CIA asset. So you have to think about this. Now this puts our government directly in connection with our money. Because there was so much money coming in and it needed to be hidden from the order and hidden from the IRS and cleaned and laundered, they used Barron to, to move all this money all over Turkey. And if Barron was a CIA asset, and it certainly looks like he was, that means that the CIA 
knew full well what was happening in this scheme and in some ways may have um, facilitated it because so much of the money was poured back into politics here in the United States. And, you know, James Woolsey had a personal connection to Barron. Yep. You know, he took meetings. After Jacob finally gets arrested, which I guess we'll get to, but after Jacob gets arrested, James Woolsey is like at the middle of all of this. If you recall, he was the CIA director under Bill Clinton. Yep. Then he was an advisor to Trump. Mm -hmm. So here's a guy who's an equal opportunity profiteer, mm -hmm. it appears, because one of the businesses that the order runs is a automatic rifle company. So they're gun manufacturers yeah. and they manufacture the very guns that people are now trying to get, get eradicate. Yeah. So, you know, these deals, if you can't make money in the U.S. because they're going to outlaw your guns, yeah. let's take them to Turkey. Right. Wow. What a what a web. Isn't it wild? Yeah. I'm sure people are like, what the hell? Your head is spinning. <laughs> I, think yeah. of how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. It is crazy. crazy. But what's even crazier is when Jacob finally... So in 2018, that phone call comes into the orders offices, into the biofuel company, which was called Wakashi Renewable Energies, yeah. WRE. WRE was the biggest sponsor of the Utah Jazz. So now Jacob, who had never been to a basketball game, has a box, right? He's <laughs> acting like a big shot. The state attorney general took a boatload of money. And then when Jacob got locked up, he said he was going to give it back and never did, right? <laughs> So there's, so the polit the intersection of this scheme and politics yeah. nationally and state. There were, I mean, it's just crazy the intersection of this crime, yeah. our money, and yeah. how it funded the politicians that are currently in office doing nothing right. about our money being stolen. <laughs> it's really incredible. <laughs> so uh, the, one of my favorite moments in the story is Barron promises this charity, this UN charity, he's got these ties to this UN charity, promises them a $40 million pledge. Mm -hmm. The charity throws him a big party at the Harvard Club in New York City to thank him for the pledge. And you know, this is a high profile event. There's yeah. diplomats and ambassadors. So they're all at the Harvard Club and Barron shows up and he brings guests without telling anybody. Can you imagine the surprise <laughs> when the security of this event filled with UN ambassadors yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, very high ranking world leaders. Barron brings along the racist polygamist whose daddy went to prison for beating his daughter and whose uncle went to prison for child rape and the lion. And in the end, Barron never even gave him the money in the first place. He he never fulfilled his obligation to the charity. Wow. And all of these people were very disturbed yeah, <laughs> by I this bet. event. Sure. But again, Daniel Poles organized that event. And Daniel Poles was the guy that when Jacob got arrested in 2018, the first phone call was Barron, the alleged CIA asset, to Daniel Poles, the consultant who tried to get Jacob a white shoe law firm in Texas. Jacob was on his way to becoming the Walter White of biofuel. And his criminal exploits were going international. He and the Lion were making deals with Belize government officials to open casinos in that country and traveled together to Turkey a total of 10 times to take meetings with President Erdogan, who provided them with police escorts. Jacob bragged that his connections went all the way to the top of various governments and included clandestine agents, CIA assassins, a Turkish biopharma billionaire, and a man named Sezgin Baran Korkmaz, a.k.a. Baran, who was friends with James Wolseley, the former Navy secretary and CIA director during the Clinton administration, and briefly served as an advisor to Donald Trump. So it just goes to show, again, yeah, this yeah. intersection. Yes. It becomes such an international yes. story. <laughs> and then you really start to wonder how much of this is happening all over the world with our money. Lots. Lots. And what would be the goal of the CIA for this money making its way into Turkey? Because Barron was a Kurd, and obviously the Kurds are our allies yes. in the Syrian war. So a lot of the money that was being laundered, our money, was also helping charities yeah. in Syria that right. were supporting our Kurdish allies. Right. And, and you can't blame them, because in the end, yeah, we want to support our allies in Syria. We want to make sure that they're like, you know, fighting jihad. But... I don't know if I want to be ripped off. Well, the, the point is, is that, that we're, we're supposed to live in a democracy, right? Where these things and we're supposed to have a Congress that, you know, represents us and votes on these things. And so we have a we have a say in how they make money and where they make money and what and what we 
it's our money, what we support, and it doesn't really work that way. Well, when you look at Congress, I don't know about you, but a buck eighty does not put you in the one percent. I know I'm terrible at math, but it's extraordinary to me. Yeah. And and you know, um, Scott Brown, the senator from Massachusetts, he he lasted a very short term because one of the first pieces of the legislation he initiated would prohibit any member of Congress from playing the stock market or right. using classified intel to to make money. So I, I have a hard time understanding how somebody who's making $180,000 a year are living in multi-million dollar yeah. homes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so we're supposed to trust these people who right. are clearly stealing and not playing by the rules well, just to hold at, others responsible. Yeah, I mean, just look at our ex-presidents. I mean, you didn't used to be that, uh, you know, you became president and then you became one of the richest men in the world. Yeah, yeah it's really, yeah. so. so it's hard to expect Congress to hold these people stealing from us accountable mm-hmm. when they're when responsible they're the for their thing. own dirty deeds. Right. In my opinions. Yeah. And yeah. this is both sides. This is apolitical. Yeah, no, it's my fury at everybody is apolitical. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. Exactly. And it's infuriating yeah. that the media is complicit yeah. in all of this widespread corruption because this story is a big deal. Yeah. This FBI agent was going to sell to the highest bidder the location of money yeah. that Gaddafi hit in Africa before the Arab Spring. Yeah. That's a big deal. This guy tapped into the most top secret records in the nation using, by the way, the source that we paid him. So mm-hmm. in addition to working for the Armenian Mafia and running around the country with an escort because mm-hmm. the Armenians paid for escorts mm-hmm. and Vegas trips and private oh, sure. jets and boozy dinners and oh, it goes sure, on and on sure, and on sure, and on. Sure, sure, sure. And in addition to that, this guy is offering to take Iranians off the no-fly list. Thanks a lot, guy. Like, yeah. what does that do for us? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, we're at the 21-year anniversary of 9-11. Yeah. I wrote a book about the Boston Marathon, and yeah. thanks a lot. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's yeah. take people off the no-fly list. Right, right. For, for, for yeah. 40 grand, right. you, you cheap yeah. ass. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I think that's the part of this whole bleeding the beast story that was so important to me was this coterie of corruption and yeah. the high-ranking L.A. law enforcement officials. It wasn't just FBI agent Babak Bromond, highest top secret security clearance. You had the former director of the Secret Service in L.A., Tony Chapa, who was uh-huh. hanging around with these guys, going on the private jets, working for the Turkish president. He's never been, he's never been formally charged. Mm-hmm. But these are the people who have gone to jail. There was a Homeland Security investigations official, somebody you and I would admire, time in the Army. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was a Border Patrol agent. Next thing you know, he's on the Armenians' payroll, and he is sneaking cartel members over the border and other assorted criminals that couldn't get into the U.S., he would make their problems disappear on, our le- on his computer. And now you have dangerous people entering the country to help facilitate this biofuel billion dollar scheme. Wow. So this guy, Felix Cisneros, he gets locked up. He's been convicted. There's a whole other slew of charges against him. Felix Bobak, the FBI agent, and a Glendale narcotics detective. Mm-hmm. This guy really pissed me off. John Saro Balian. Mm-hmm. Not only is Balian working for the Armenians, he's working for the Mexican Mafia too. And he's tipping shop callers off to pending search warrants. We, we both know that gets cops killed. This, this is a good way to get your colleagues shot and killed. And Balian was working for the Armenians for years. And this is the most disgusting thing. In the end, prosecutors found he had two separate bank accounts, one for his gumara, who was a cartel mistress, <laughs> And the other for his wife. And when he was sentenced, he pleaded for mercy because his 23-year-old daughter died of an accidental drug overdose. And I'm like, guy, how do you, you facilitated yeah. the narcotics trade. It's, got, it's like yeah. karma. I mean, it I don't want to say that anyone should lose anybody, yeah, but, no, no, no. but to even bring it up, you should yeah. be ashamed. You should, Absolutely. that guy's out. He, he did out. like a minute and a half in jail. He did yeah. a year, I think. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But this guy, all of the damage he did to the city of L.A., and letting, you know, criminals, working for criminals with a Glendale detective badge. And he did a year in jail. It's, oh, it's, really, it's really disgusting. Yeah. And that's why journalism matters. Because this yeah. should not. Absolutely. We should all know who is around us and yes. what is happening. Yes. And when you have such high-ranking people, Lee Baca, who the former sheriff right. was involved in he, this. Yeah. So when you have such high-ranking, powerful no, people, law enforcement people. People get cynical about everything, so they don't trust anybody. And that, that's kind of where we are today in, in our country. And without trust, you know, nothing works, right? Well, without accountability, too. You're right. And, and it's, I think it's an investigative journalist's job to demand accountability mm-hmm. because otherwise... What do we have? We don't have a country anymore. Right. 
You know, when we like when you have people who are supposed to be protecting us, selling us out, removing people from allegedly Cisneros has been convicted, the Homeland Security agent, the Glendale cop has been convicted. What's think about this, Bobek Roman, this FBI agent, top secret security clearance, working for the feds, hooking up with the San Francisco. He was out of the San Francisco field office, but he spent way more. A sign should have been how much time he was spending in Beverly Hills, smoking cigars at the Grand Havana (laughs) room, partying in Vegas with the coterie of dirty cops. Uh, You know, the Armenians called them the boys. That's how close they were to the organization. My boys will take care of it. So the boys were spending so much time partying, you have to wonder when Bobak Broman ever worked in San Fran. (laughs) It's it's extraordinary. But this guy, so it, it all centers on this lawyer from Rodeo Drive, Edgar Sargazian. Because he has Bobak doing these searches, he knows his boss, the lion, is going down. Mm-hmm. So he starts planning for his retirement. According to court records, he started to steal millions of dollars from the lion. Wow. The lion used Edgar, you know, the lawyer, yeah. to buy a private jet. Edgar's put it in his own name and changed the tail number. So wow. he knew the lion was going down, so he started, according to court right. records, Feathering his own nest. Feathering his own nest. Edgar is out, right? Like, here's a guy who's very dangerous, who's really... Uh, there's a picture of him in my story for LA Magazine um, with uh, Obama. Like, this guy is literally taking selfies with Obama. Yeah. He's partying with Qatari royalty. He's very, very well-connected in political circles. And, you know, he becomes the rat. So he throws himself at the mercy of the feds. Uh He's the first guy to make a deal. We both are familiar with this. He's going to stay out and everyone else is going to go down. And so in 2018, the lion, the order, Jacob and his brother, that's a hapless brother. That's definitely (laughs) Jacob Kingston was a hapless brother in this scheme. Um, They all get locked up. They're all in the same Utah jail because Utah doesn't have a federal facility, <laughs> which means the lion is currently in a county lockup. Like the worst place on the, think about the worst place yeah. on the planet. It's just junkies and yeah. scales and yeah. run of the mock low lowlifes. Right. Wow. But the feds consider him so dangerous, the lion, that they, whenever he has to go to a court appearance or, or leave the facility, they use the El Chapo U.S. Marshal SWAT team. So the same specialized unit yeah. that went to Mexico to retrieve El Chapo. Yeah has to escort the lion to all of his court appearances, not because they think the Armenians are gonna break this guy out on a dusty Utah road. They're worried about the cops because he had so many He's corrupted so many people. Who do we we know? Who who knows? So they have to send the El Chapo guys with the lion because it's not just the Armenians who are their own brand of danger, but you you have this whole other arm. So you know the lion's sitting in jail. This is my favorite part of the story in some ways. Jacob, you know, he was really a dumb guy. This, and it, you know, if you look at the real paperwork, the lion, you have to give him some credit because yeah. his his name is on nothing. He doesn't have his name on any single piece of paperwork that connects him to this scheme. Nothing. If if Jacob doesn't flip, the lion walks because he was smarter than them. Right. He didn't. He was like Jacob. You should really apply for this, and you should really apply right, for right, that. Right. Right. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm over here. If you, right. know, if you need my help with investing right. your money, right. then talk yes, Talk to one indeed. of my guys, but yeah. don't talk to me. Yeah. I mean, he was very much like Vinny the Chin Gigante. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting my name on anything. And Jacob gets a phone call from one of his sources, because remember, the order has been long funding politicians and big shots, and so they have their own. What the Armenians did here with LA law enforcement, the order did in Utah with the attorney general and right. and a whole, the governor, you know, yeah. they, they're very tight with all of them. So Jacob's offices get a call. They're coming next Wednesday. They're coming with warrants. They had a week to shred all the evidence, and, he, and but Jacob's so stupid, he starts texting all of his associates, make sure the lion, Make sure El Lev is not in it. Like right. he literally starts texting all of his buddies. Make sure Lev's name isn't anywhere. Shred right, everything. Right, right. I'm afraid yeah. of Lev. Right? right? Like, well, he's terrified. He's yeah. Right? yeah, he should be. He yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah. He's terrified of Lev. Um, wow. There's a raid. Lev and Jacob meet at their favorite place, which is amazing. Because anyone who's been to Vegas, this will give you a new idea of the Win Casinos carousel. You yeah. know the carousel in the middle. Of- oh yeah. So that's the favorite meeting place really? for Armenian gangsters and polygamous racists. <laughs> <laughs> they like to meet at the carousel at the Wind if Casino. If you want to get your folks, if you want to get your picture taken with uh, 
Yeah, polygamist or racist or Armenian gangsters head there. Head right yeah. there to the yeah. Wind Casino carousel. Yeah. So the, the the lion just points at him upstairs. Jacob follows him into the room. He makes him strip, obviously looking for a wire. And then he's then he t- reassures him, "Don't worry, the boys the boys we will take it, care of it. it we got it handled." Meanwhile, the lion's like, "I'm out." <laughs> he jumps on his private jet and goes immediately to Turkey. Now the only thing that brings the lion back into the U.S. is that Edgar the lawyer was stealing from him. So mm. this is this cannot stand. I got to come back and he, do something. Yeah. Right. So he tips the IRS off to Edgar's malfeasance. The IRS sets up a meeting. And you have to think about these. I mean, I, I do laugh a little bit. IRS agents aren't exactly the rough and tumble. It's not the El Chapo SWAT team. Right. 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 But these IRS agents make the line's bodyguards wait in the car because he always travels with a with a, you know, swarm sure. of armed bodyguards sure, yeah. they make the bodyguards wait outside they invite him to a meeting to talk about Edgar stealing yeah. from him and they throw him on the ground and lock him up but wow. can you imagine the fear in the faces of the these yeah. nerdy like, yeah, yeah. accountants like, like, with do you guns know who this guy is yeah, yeah. Wow. so they arrest him Jacob is arrested now remember they had spent so much time together that Jacob started to think he was a gangster and on one of these trips he brought his third wife now by now he's given the order 30 million dollars so his status has been elevated he's a numbered man now 95 not exactly in mm, snatching distance of yeah. God's golden ring right right but he's got a number but he gets invited to the big party yeah yeah he, yeah, yeah, he gets yeah. to give a speech at right. church right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right now his daddy's not making him live in the old cabin anymore right but more importantly, the more money you bring into the order, the younger and prettier the mm. wife. So his third wife, Hannah, Hannah Tucker was her name. Hannah had gone on one of these great vacations on the private uh, that we paid for, mm-hmm. the Queen Anne. We mm-hmm. paid for this. They go on vacation, and Anna takes a liking, apparently, to the lion. There's oh a little connection. Oh, boy. So months later, when they all get locked up, Hannah is at the county jail, not to visit her husband, Jacob, but to visit her paramois, the lion. Wow. So the lion and Hannah, the third wife. Ends up with one of the polygamous wives. Yes. Yeah. So the lion is making plans to run away with Hannah. Oh, my God. Somehow Jacob finds out about this arrangement and he decides to flip. Wow. And that's how the lion gets taken down. The lion was convicted on March 16, 2020. After a seven-week trial that included a rogues gallery of friends business associates, a retired CIA station chief from Turkey, and the consultant friend of Turkish tycoon Baran, Daniel Poles. He's currently awaiting sentencing in a high-security metropolitan jail near Salt Lake City, Utah, teaching himself to read English with books from the prison library and waiting for his weekly commissary delivery of tuna in a can and M&Ms. His lawyers claim he has high blood pressure and a heart stent, and his in failing health. Jacob Kingston is also in a Utah jail awaiting sentencing for his part in the $1 billion biofraud scheme, says Gin Baran Korkmaz went on the lam after the lion's arrest. Interpol found him last year at a five-star hotel in Austria and burst into the hotel spa where he was naked on a massage table. He was extradited to Utah in August where he is being held without bail on money laundering charges. FBI Special Agent Babak Rumad is currently awaiting trial in Los Angeles District Court on a six-count federal bribery indictment alleging he passed sensitive national security information to lawyer Edgar Sargazian. Department of Homeland Security Agent Felix Cisneros was found guilty in May on charges of helping the Armenians get shady business associates into the United States. Glendale narcotics detective John Sarrell Balian was sentenced to 21 months in prison. The fallout from this case continues. It is funny to think about this guy, Jacob, who, remember, like, this is a guy with a Toyota to sell and a lot of miles to feed. He becomes the Walter White of biofuel. He literally starts to think he is a gangster. Now he's dressing fancy. His brother said he never wore $600 shirts before. You know, stuff like they were just flabbergasted by this guy's flashiness. He's sitting, you know, courtside at Utah Jazz Games. He's vacationing all over the world. He threw his one of his son's wedding in... uh, glamorous resort that he owned that he bought with our money wow 
You know, think about that. Like these guys were living large and we're all sitting around during COVID suffering. But I, it's frustrating to me to see that a guy who literally sold our homeland security and not for a ton of money, this guy put us in danger. And yet when he was raided by his fellow FBI agents in December of 2018, he was allowed to quietly retire with a full pension. Do you, can you imagine a world where an LAPD officer or an yeah. NYPD cop that I know would be accused of crimes like that and be able to walk off no with way. his pension no and way. stay a free man? He wasn't arrested formally until March 2020, which just happened to be the same month the Lion was convicted in connection with the biofuel scheme after Jacob testified against him. He still has his pension. And not only does he have his pension, but this guy accused of these very serious crimes that yeah. literally meant that ISIS had access to us. Any sort of terrorist organization right, could you get buy in. buy your way into the country. Buy your way into the country. Yeah. This guy got a job as an investigator at Cal Berkeley. An investigator. And, he, and, you know, I looked at his LinkedIn page and he retired from that job. I mean, retire. how do you have a job? No, you should be in jail. You should yeah. be in jail. Yeah. He retired from that job and he put on his LinkedIn page, I'm hanging up my spurs after yeah. 21 years of yeah. convincing people to do what they didn't want to do. Wow. Like he's this grand hero. Yeah. Like yeah. he's this crusading knight against terror when he's really just a lowlife, moonlighting, allegedly, FBI agent who sold us out for a hooker, a Ducati motorcycle, and 10 grand in cash amount. So, you know, he's yeah. making other FBI agents doing the right thing, like his boss. Can you imagine this guy, John Kelly, who's done real work, he just took down the biggest MS-13 case in the country. Mm-hmm. He was involved in the Boston Marathon bombing investigation. Comes to San Fran thinking he's going to lay low, and he's got this low life <laughs> <laughs> trying to lie. Right. This guy went so far, because how he was able to get away with this for a little while is that he suggested that the guy paying him the lawyer, Edgar, mm-hmm. was actually his source, his confidential That's informant. Right. That's right. I remember that. But this is how dumb he is. Yeah. So in order to bolster this bullshit story, he decides to meet with the very well-respected FBI Eurasian Crimes Task Force. Now, it's interesting because the Armenian Mafia really only exists here in Southern California and L.A., mostly Glendale, North Hollywood, Burbank. So he meets with his counterpart in L.A., I don't know why this makes me so mad, but he flies here to facilitate his fraud. He lands at the airport and takes Uber Black. So I'm like, if the FBI is taking Uber Black around, like, okay, we'll start with that. But he takes Uber Black to the FBI field office on Wilshire, and he has a meeting. And the agent later said that he was immediately struck by this swaggering asshole who comes into the FBI cafeteria here in Los Angeles, wearing cufflinks and yeah. a Gucci watch and a yeah. gold bracelet. His direct quote was, he didn't look like an FBI agent. Well, I, wonder I got why. a guy, yeah. he's got information for you, Edgar Sargisian. Of course, the Eurasian Crimes Task Force knew this guy. He's a lowlife, he's a right. longtime con man. Right, right. Like he's a piece of work that's been a target for years. Right. I would love to take a meeting with your source. Can you get a sit down with me and Edgar? He balks. He has no idea that Edgar is already on their radar. Right? Uh, this idiot. He yeah. goes into the meeting. Oh, I have a source for you. Right, uh, right, right. The guy, they had a file on him going already. back years yeah. because he was running a scam where J1 visa holders. So guys that come in here for a year to work, he got lists of J1 visa holders. I wonder how. Maybe it could be the Homeland Security Investigations agent that was on his payroll. Then he takes out credit cards in their names and oh, nice. runs up millions of dollars in debt. Oh, my God. Much of which this went into the... This is the lawyer who's this doing this. This is the lawyer. So the lawyer that is paying yeah. these dirty cops yeah. is running this multi-million dollar scheme. But maybe this went unnoticed for a long time because he was also hosting huge political fundraisers for big shot politicians in California and nationally. And I am sure you can think of a few names. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's throwing huge, huge, huge political fundraisers paid for with money that he's stealing from the banks because he's running up these credit card debts. So now you have to think this FBI agent from San Fran thinks he's going to come in, tell this Eurasian guy who knows everything about Edgar Sargassian, has a file to spat on him. I got a guy for you. Oh, oh, you do? Oh, okay. And he says, well, yeah, I would love to meet your source. He plays along. And of course he panics because he realizes he might've made a mistake. If Agent Stephen Cousin had walked outside with Bobbitt Bromond, he would have seen Edgar waiting outside in a Bentley. So this idiot had the source waiting outside the FBI building, with cameras, by the way. I I assume they have photos of this somewhere. 
and he climbs into the Bentley and he goes, we barely got away with that one. And think about this. And and yet in this FBI guy headquarters in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, this all happens right down the street, right in Wilshire. Crazy, crazy. It's, it's it's just such a crazy story, but it, it, it enrages me that Bobak Roman has this big shitting grin on his face, like I've gotten away with all of it. Thank you to all my true friends. Well, right. I wonder how many true friends are going to be on the stand this week. Right, right. You, if you want to see them, go to the jail in Utah. You see a lot of your old friends <laughs> there. So where's Jacob now? Is he he's in jail? He he cut a deal with the government. He cut a deal with the government to testify against the lion. He testified against the lion. His brother testified against the lion, but his poor brother, he really is. The brother actually ended up testifying more against Jacob. To save his, his own ass. But, well, yeah. with the order, oh. because, you know, the order still is very powerful and the order still has to provide for the wives as these guys are in jail. And so neither of them have been sentenced yet because obviously the government is gonna go after the order, which is great because if they finally dismantle this multi-billion dollar empire Criminal empire. Criminal empire that the order has been able to run around in for such a long time. Yeah. It's it's just really such a crazy, crazy, crazy story. But because the order still has so much power over the way their wives can live, both Jacob, look at the number one rule in the order, never talk about the order. It's very fight club. So Mark Garagos, really, who, that's a, he he has another whole (laughs) element of the story that's so much fun, right? Yeah, I I actually know him. He's a great lawyer, but he he destroyed the Kingstons. Like he had Jacob Moot saying, humana, 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 humana. You know, and obviously Mark Garagos has more celebrity clients than Paul Kingston has wives and he has 27. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So Garagos adds a whole new element to this because he's the one that exposed Baron Korkmaz. So Garagos is representing the lion. The lion. So you know that the lion is a celebrity. (laughs) If you get Mark Garagos, you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well, right? You're doing great. But the most, what was interesting too, and I'm embarrassed to even say this, Garagos puts uh, an associate on the case too. Obviously she moves in those circles. You know, she speaks Arabic. She speaks a number of languages. And her briefs are so good that I assume it's a dude, right? And so I go to, to the offices, to Garagos' offices, to meet with Satara Kasim. And it's this gorgeous woman who's just been running roughshod all over the government on this case. Wow. And the government did a pretty extraordinary job putting a lion in jail without any paperwork that connects him to the actual thievery <laughs> yeah. of the money. Yeah, that's right? pretty good. So yeah. this in this... But op- they had Jacob. They had Jacob. So if Hannah hadn't have, you know, been plotting to run away with the lion, then maybe all of them would have gotten away with it. Who knows? Jacob's legal problems weren't just about pilfered tax subsidies. The feds had been hearing more and more complaints about his sexual proclivities, accusations that they thought might sway the lion to turn state's evidence. One female EPA agent even approached the lion and tried to honeypot her way into his cooperative graces by telling him Jacob was, quote, having sex with little girls. Once behind bars, Jacob asked his brother Isaac how much money they had left from the plan. The answer was none. It was all gone, paid out to Jacob's pals to protect him from the very outcome he now found himself in, sitting in a jail cell facing life in prison. Still, Jacob and his brother were very careful to follow their family's golden rule, protect the order at all costs. Instead, they pointed the finger of blame at the lion. But on the witness stand, a combative and childlike Jacob admitted that he had given the order 30 million in proceeds from his fraud. What about the 100 million they wanted? Asked the lion's defense lawyer, Mark Aragos. This is a case between me and Levon Tarmenzian, Jacob answered with a gap-toothed smile. Uh, the interesting thing is no one has been sentenced. So the lion's still sitting in the worst jail cell. Awaiting sentencing. Awaiting sentencing. Um, the government said that the lion had to go to the worst jail, the county jail, because he was running things. In the other jail. <laughs> in the other jail. They probably can't bring him back to California. No, he was paying people for their pin cards. Yeah, sure. Right? So that... Shh. So he could make as many phone calls as he wanted. Uh, you know, they accused Satara Kasim of having an affair with the lion, her client, which was nonsense. But it was also a way in which to be able to listen in on the attorney-client 
Pauls. <laughs> so there's just so much to the story. There's wow. so many colorful characters and colorful yeah. people. But in the end, it comes down to one thing. We lost a billion dollars of our money, hardworking taxpayer money, and it's going to happen again. It'll it happen is, again. It's probably happening right now. For yeah. all I know, the order is still doing it. We right. don't know because there's no, you can't expect these tiny little agencies like the EPA and the IRS to keep tabs on tens of billions of dollars. Well, the bigger thing is, is you can't pass these massive bills, these give, money giveaways, right, without also funding enforcement. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about how much enforcement you could have had just with the money Jacob stole. One person, mm -hmm. one guy, mm -hmm. one guy mm -hmm. stole. He got in the end five hundred and eleven million dollars. Wow. But because he was paying for protection, which is great, because that's <laughs> how the lion got all the money. Right. The lion literally got all the money by saying, my boys will take care of you. You yeah, got to yeah. you got to pay for what, what was their deal? What Do you know? Like it was between Jacob and the lion. Was it like 50 50? I think or? it was like a 50 50 thing. Yeah, yeah. But the paper trail went through Edgar's, you know, company. Like right. the lion was smart until Edgar stole from him and Jacob ratted on him. He might not have ever gotten caught. And, you know, the, the big mystery and the and the follow up story that I can't wait to write is Baron, mm -hmm. the CIA asset. And he's still large in nope. it. Nope. Yep, yep. This is so all his buddies get locked up. He calls the CIA pals. His CIA pals are like, dude, I don't know what we can do for you. You're screwed. You have your, your paper trail. This paper trail is you, 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 you right. all over Turkey. The president of Turkey ordered every picture of him, Baron Korkmaz and Jacob Kingston to be scrubbed <laughs> or face death. Right. I don't know this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, he yeah. told all the media in the yeah. country of Turkey that they had to get rid of those photos, which I have. Yeah. You can see them in Los Angeles magazine next month. Wow. Get rid of all of them. He tried to separate himself. James Wolseley went to Turkey to try to take a meeting to see what he could mitigate for this fallout because yeah. things are going to, shit is going to hit the fan. This guy yeah. is clearly a CIA asset and he's clearly connected to the theft of a billion dollars in taxpayer money, which was spread all over Turkey and all over the US and yeah. blah, blah. Barron goes on the run. You know how they got him? Because this is, again, just like the parking placard and the traffic stop. Stupid, stupid things that rich people do. Baron is getting a massage in a hotel, naked, in Austria. Interpol pings his phone because he texted and he gets locked up on the massage table at this five-star <laughs> Austrian resort. Perfect. Now he's in Utah in the same crappy jail. <laughs> oh, he's, 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 he's there. He's there with Jacob. So yeah. he didn't go to the horrible jail. That's where the lion is. Right, but right. he's in the very crappy jail. Wow. So if, 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 you know, the lion is in a five, he's in a four. When and his case is, is still pending. He's just got locked up. He was yeah. extradited to the United States. And now he's going to face federal trial in Utah. And, you know, the CIA part of me cannot yeah. wait yeah. for this trial. And I, I, unless, of course, somebody steps in and makes a deal, which I suspect will happen right, before happen. all the yeah, yeah. agency secrets are spilled all over the place. Yeah, because that, that's, that's going to implicate a lot of people if he starts talking. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You had the lion, the boss of the Armenian mafia, taking meetings with Baron and the U.N., she was up for UN secretary, right? Yeah. Like these are very powerful world leaders yeah. that were, you know, having drinks yeah. at the pencil, the, the Peninsula Hotel in New York with the lion. So the lion's been in business since yeah. his twenties, probably. I mean, the guy's a billionaire, but also even the government had to acquiesce that he doesn't own anything here because he moves everything around in his kids' names. So the Bel Air mansion, it's yeah. not his. They can't yeah. seize it. The Queen Anne. Yeah. Ah, that was in the, my company. You know, right. so the so guy. they can't seize anything. They can't, even the Panama Papers really yeah. connect the lion to all of this money that's been moved by shady people all over the world to his daughter, who the allegedly the Queen Anne yacht was named for. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he has a son and a yeah. daughter. And, they, and so, I mean, I'm positive the lion is still in business, so which is why guys, they put him yeah. in this jail where he can't talk to anybody. So these guys, because they have money, which they get, you know, illegally, they're able to get the best tax attorneys, the best lawyers, the best influence peddlers, former heads of the CIA, <laughs> you know, potential UN ambassadors. Yeah. So they get the best, the best treatment. The, he's a guy who's, who was smart to spread around his influence. And, you know, Allison Parker, that EPA agent was a victim of it because he knows how to talk. He's very garrulous. Yeah. Like if it came down, if I was Hannah Tucker 
and it came between Goofy, <laughs> Jacob, yeah. or the you yeah. know, there's no choice. The charismatic yeah. lion. Yeah, yeah. I would take off to Istanbul with the lion too, right? If right, I was right, Hannah Tucker, right. but the lion, um, the EPA agent is supposed to be investigating him and trying to get the lion to flip on Jacob because Jacob got kicked off the private jet flights because he was bringing underage girls, very, very young girls. And the lion had his own pilot, Nick Steele, who, by the way, the entire time, Nick Steele was a, was a, an informant. Yeah. So the pilot that was ferrying these guys around all over the world on their private jet was actually an informant the entire time. For the FBI. We don't and know. And other agencies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Nick Steele, he's not even an American citizen. No one knows where he came from. But he's, <laughs> he owns a fleet of planes in yeah. the Van Nuys Airport. Yeah. And that's who they all used. So Nick Steele, this whoever, pilot, yeah. Nick Steele Whatever told the lion, is. Yeah. this guy Jacob is never getting on one of my planes again because yeah. he was fondling a little girl on the plane, Ugh. is what he told the court. So Jacob was kicked off the planes. The EPA agent comes to the lion like, how could you be in business with this guy? You should cooperate. Right, right, right. He's a pervert. The lion's like, really? Let's talk about it over dinner. <laughs> and takes this woman to dinner, a guy who never likes his picture taken, hands his camera to a waiter. And you have the agent canoodling up against his shoulder all oh seductively. He seduced the EPA agent. Oh, my she God. She ended up losing her job. Oh, my God. That's who this guy is. He's, yeah. He knows so, how to talk to people yeah. because I you have to have a begrudging respect for somebody who came from nothing and who built an empire. Sure. And I think a lot of it came from his charisma sure. and his generosity. Sure, sure, sure. He, he knew how to he knew how to Make friends people. and influence people, right? Right, right. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how much time the lion gets because there's no violence. There's really not a money trail that links him to anything. His lawyer stole tens of millions of dollars, allegedly, from his company. I mean, it's it's easy if you're Mark Aragos to portray him as the hapless victim of the Walter White of biofuel. This story of high-level corruption never seems to end. Hours before former FBI Special Agent Babak Brahmad's federal trial was to begin in downtown Los Angeles, Armenian mob lawyer turned state witness Edgar Sargazian dropped a startling admission. The one-time partner in a Rodeo Drive law firm revealed that he'd paid a colleague 20000 a month to study to take the California bar exam in his name using a fake ID and smeared fingerprints. A Rolex watch was the cherry on top of the deal after the partner passed the exam in Sargassian's name. As a phony attorney, Sargassian and his partners, who are still practicing attorneys, he confessed, had been ripping off their clients at Pilar Law Group. All of this might seem hard to believe or seem like a darkly humorous reprise of the TV series Breaking Bad. But the victim in the billion-dollar biofuel fraud and resulting political corruption is us, the U.S. taxpayer. That's why it is so important that we recognize brave, honest, and independent investigative journalists like Michelle McPhee, who work tirelessly to dig up the truth and reveal it to the public. We thank her for sharing this eye-opening story, Bleeding the Beast, appearing in the November issue of Los Angeles Magazine. It's with great appreciation that we call her today's hero behind the headlines. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Ralph Pizzullo. Our producers are myself, Frank Hobbs, and Apex Media. If you haven't already, please download, rate, review, and subscribe. And check out some of our past episodes, such as an unbelievable human trafficking survival story. And don't forget to tune into the next episode of Heroes Behind Headlines. Ah!